Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can follow us on Facebook or visit our website at BeatitudesChurch.org. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society. Today's scripture reading comes to us from Genesis 4, verses 1 through 7. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created. And the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no one to work the ground. But the streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into their nostrils. It was the breath of life, and the man became a living being. 162 years ago, one of, the, the, one of or perhaps even the most disruptive book appeared, titled, On the Origin of Species by Charles Dickens, I mean, Dickens, <laughs> Charles Darwin. When the book first appeared, it was mixed with different reviews. Probably the majority of people, the majority of Christians, found it very disruptive and wanted to dismiss it, to set it aside. Because at that time, the majority of Christians would be what we call young earth believers. They believed that the earth was either 6,000, at the most 10,000 years old. They believed that human beings, as they exist today, were always in this form. They always had existed from the very beginning. Why? because they took the story in Genesis chapter 1 and 2 very literally. So no wonder Darwin's ideas of evolution created this angst that they felt inside of themselves. So, here we are. 150 years later, I would assume that the significant portion of you either present or those of you who may be watching accept evolution in some form or fashion. So why do we have to talk about it? Why not only today do we have to talk about it, but why do we have to do a whole worship series on evolution? I offer you two reasons. First of all, evolution continues to be a disruptive part of our society. We are divided. Listen to this. In 2019, a Gallup poll found that 4 in 10 Americans, 40%, that's 
83 million people believe that God created humans in their present form 10,000 years ago, a view that has changed very little over the past three decades. Yet, the dominant position among scientists that living things have evolved due to natural processes is shared by only a third of the public. The division remains. And it impacts how we see ourselves, how we see other human beings, how we are going to interrelate with each other and to understand those interactions with each other. It says a lot about our future. And so to grapple with evolution is a significant part of how we are to live our lives right now. Why? Because evolution is not only shaping us now, it will shape us as we move into the future. And in particular, evolution can have an amazing impact and shape the future of spiritual communities, and in particular, Church of the Beatitudes. And that can happen in four different ways. Number one, evolution impacts the core beliefs of Christianity. Now, you can either ignore that, or you can acknowledge it, and then ignore it, or you can wrestle with it. For example, think about the Bible. Evolution immediately calls into question what we find in Genesis 1 and 2. The world, according to evolution, could not have been created in six days. Just didn't happen. Well, if you don't have a literal beginning as described in the Bible, then what about the end of the world? Is that just guesswork? I mean, if you can't trust what the Bible says literally at the very beginning, how can you trust how the New Testament talks about what the world will be in the future? For many people, that creates a great deal of tension within, and so they choose to take Genesis 1 and 2 quite literally. Evolution calls into the question of a historical creation account when it comes to the Bible, by also, but not only by doing that, but it calls into question the all of supernatural events. What about miracles? Now, if you believe that God was involved in creating our world hands-on, then it's not a far stretch to believe that God can flood, cause the whole earth to flood that God can cause the sun to stay still in the sky, that God can cause it not to rain or to rain, God can cause the fields to flourish, or he can bring about famine. But if you see God as not in actively involved in our origins of our world, that creates all sorts of questions around the Bible. And not only the Bible, but God. Evolution 
in its secular form, does not allow room for God. It's called natural selection. One individual I wrote, wrote, one individual that I read said that we as Homo sapiens should be thankful for that asteroid that landed on our planet and killed all the dinosaurs. Because without that, more than likely, Homo sapiens would not be dwelling on the earth. But then where is God? Is God passive? If God had nothing to do with our origin, then what in the world does God have to do with how we live our lives today? But evolution not only calls into question those core ideas when it comes to the Bible and God, but it also says a lot about humanity. Evolution does not accept a literal Adam and Eve. On the other side, there are some Christians that try to bring science and religion together, Christianity together, and what they say is that as individuals, all of us at some point came through the original couple, Adam and Eve. They're trying to take evolution and make it somehow work with the text. Individuals may find that satisfying, I find it quite confusing. And so, if there is not a literal Adam and Eve, then human beings were never created to be in a perfect environment. They were not created sinless. There is no fall. And if there is no fall, and we are not sinners or have a sinful nature... Then why did Jesus, what was the purpose of his life? What was that all about? What does it mean to to be saved? That's why evolution needs to continue to be in the forefront of Christian churches because it has a significant impact upon some of our core traditional ideas, what we call orthodoxy. But it's not only in our Christian beliefs that evolution is influencing our future. It's influencing our culture. For example, there are three main areas right now that culturally evolution is having a role in creating a divide within our country. First of all, think about behaviors. You may have been been raised or taught that there were certain behaviors that are sinful. That if you do them, God will be unhappy with you. You'll get a check mark by your name in the big book. But evolution can call that into question. For example, some characteristics that Christians have thought of as sinful. For example, in an evolutionary scheme, the aggression and dominance associated with survival of the fittest 
and sexual promiscuity to perpetuate one's gene pool are understood and seen not necessarily as being sinful, as a way to survive. Now all of a sudden, the shift takes place. Now, I'm not saying that it excuses our behavior, but it definitely reorients how we perceive the cause of those behaviors. Another issue that we're finding throughout our society right now, legislatures at the state level and soon at the different court levels, all the way eventually to the Supreme Court level, is the issue, the cultural issue of of abortion. So what in the world does evolution say and inform us about abortion? Well, if you take Genesis 1 and 2 quite literally, then God breathes into the man, and man becomes a living being or a soul. The soul is something that is unique to human beings. Now, what's amazing is the Catholic Church accepts evolution, but yet still holds that a human soul is unique just to humans. In that, at some point in this evolutionary process, when we as human beings begin to be rational and to be able to think and have consciousness, at some moment, God endowed humanity with a soul. And then that soul was passed on through the father and mother to their fetus, to their offspring. So to abort a child is to destroy its soul, a soul that is sinful. That's why churches, not only within Catholicism, but the practice continues. It may not be believing the same, but the practice continues with infant baptism. It's about saving that child's soul until that child is old enough to make decisions for itself. Evolution comes along and asks the question, if human beings have souls, then where do you stop? Do all creatures have souls? Does your dog, does your cat, I don't know about cats, but Do those animals have souls? What about our ancestors? Before there were Homo sapiens, were these entities, did they have souls? Did the Neanderthals have souls? Well, you could say, well, they're more on the the monkey side than they are the human side. But at some point, if we go back far enough, So evolution all of a sudden calls all of this into question. 
And that's why this issue continues to be dominant and continues to rise up is because Christians are continuing to wrestle with what we see in the Bible and what science is telling us. And then last of all, the transgender community. There are more state legislatures right now who are so interested in high school and college women's sports. They've never been this interested. Why? Because of transgender women. More and more laws are being passed forbidding transgender women to play sports. Why do we care about that? Well, we say it's not fair to the biological woman. Studies have shown, however, at the NCAA level, that the majority of trans women have little to no impact on how well that team does. But yet, we're passing laws about this. Why? Because as one of our representatives at the state, I mean, not our state, but at the federal level said, to go and support the transgender community is to go against God's creation. Because the Bible says that God created them male and female. So it's to go against the will of God, they say. But now bring evolution into it. Now all of a sudden we have to rethink what it means to be defined as male or female. The third way this is going to impact the future of Christianity is sustainability. Friends, more and more individuals are walking away from the church. And in particular, young people. In a list of 10 different things that individuals below the age of 30 state as a reason for walking away from Christianity, included in that top 10 is their frustration when it comes to churches dealing with Christian beliefs and science. Listen to what one writer says. Pew Research Center reports in November of 2020, 73% of American adults younger than 30, 73% expressed some sort of belief in evolution significantly more than 2009 when this figure sat at 61%. In just 10 years, there was a 12% growth in support of evolution. Now that's evolution that may or may not allow God to be a part of it. But then think about this statistic. Those who expressed belief in secular evolution, the idea being that seeing evolution as completely unrelated to a deity of any kind, that number jumped from 40% to a majority of 
more and more young people are supporting evolution. And when they come to church, they feel this tension inside. The beliefs of the church pre-Darwin and where we are today, 150-some years later. In looking at the implications of this, the, the writer continues and says, as millennials become more influential and start raising their own families, most of the time, in a non-religious setting, belief in creationism will steadily continue to falter. Do you hear that? That's how it affects the sustainability of the church. I have interviewed at many different churches. When I look at their profile over and over, one of the things that I see them say is, we want to attract more young families. And I, in my mind, ask, do you really want that? Number one, it financially doesn't make sense to target young families. I love young families. But it takes 10 young families to pay, to make up for what one individual in the later stages of life can give. That makes sense. The expenses of raising children. But that's only one factor. What about this one? If more and more young people and kids are being taught and coming to church with a belief in evolution and not creation, that impacts how we talk about the Bible, it impacts how we talk about God, and it impacts how we talk about humanity and the social and cultural issues that are all tied together with that. And the church says we want young families. But I don't want you to leave here either in person or online and say, oh, oh well, shutter the place, close it down. No. Because I believe that right now, not only Church of the Beatitudes, but Christianity as a whole has an amazing opportunity. It's not going to be easy. But we have an amazing opportunity to wrestle with what it means to be a Christian today. They did this a few decades, a few centuries after Jesus. They wrestled with what it meant to be a follower of Jesus. And they didn't make everyone happy. There were people that got upset. There was a lot of name-calling going on, especially the H-word, you heretic. But they stuck with it. And what has happened is we have taken with what they came up with and we've turned it into creeds, and now we won't mess with it. 
if we are not willing to continue to adapt, we will not survive. Evolution teaches us that. Survival of the fittest. And my question for us today is, are we promoting a form of Christianity that is survivable? Adjustments to the biblical story are always necessary because of science. The only question is what sorts, what sorts of adjustments best account for the data? Listen to what this other individual says. As for Christians, perhaps evolution will eventually wind up being more of a help than a hindrance. Perhaps it will lead Christians to see that our theologies are provisional. When we forget that fact, we run the risk of equating what we think of God with God, God's self. Do you hear that again? When we are so set in preserving a particular way of believing, we run the risk of equating what we think of God as being God. It doesn't have to be that way. That's why I am so excited to be the minister here at Church of the Beatitudes. No apologies. Why? It doesn't mean we're the best church around. I don't believe that. Does it mean we're the right church, everyone else is wrong? No, I don't believe that either. But this is a community from its beginning that has been willing to wrestle with that fine line between religion and science. Always trying to find a new path, a new direction. And by doing that, I truly believe Charles Darwin himself would be proud of us. And any other spiritual community who does that. Because Charles Darwin said the following, It is not the strongest of the species that survives, nor the most intelligent that survives. It is the one that is most adaptable to change. What an opportunity. This is an amazing time to be a part of a Christian community. I mean, some exciting stuff can happen. Man, I wish you didn't have mask on. I can't tell if you're smiling or frowning at me right now. We have this opportunity, folks. It's not going to be easy. 
It may not always be fun. But we will survive. Please, pay attention over the weeks to come to this worship series because we are going to be exploring how evolution is impacting not only today, but the future. I believe in this church. I believe in each and every one of you, and I believe in you. Let's do what we need to do to make Christianity relevant, not only for the next five, ten years, but for decades to come. Amen. Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can help us to continue this program by making your donations at BeatitudesChurch.org backslash online dash giving. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society.